Good morning. Look at that. I've got somebody. Good morning. We're getting there. We're going to learn that. Um, it's better. Better than it was. Oh, man, so excited to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bible, you can open up to James. We're going to be back. Um, I'm just going to preach the same thing as last week. I didn't have time to study last night. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you, Shade. Um, but I'm so excited about this this morning. Um, I don't know where exactly we're going to end up with this, if this is the last week of this series or maybe the middle or somewhere. We'll find out next week, I guess, kind of where we're going. But um, this morning, we're going to be back in James, and we're going to be in chapter 2. And uh, we're going to continue this series, Unplugged. Anybody like Unplugged so far? Thank you. That raises my self-esteem when we do that, so that's why I ask. Um, but I've enjoyed the series and talking about these things, um, something that we don't talk about a lot in church. This idea of uh, spiritual maturity, that there's something after the, after the prayer, right? That there's something between the prayer and the, and the trip to heaven. There's some stuff in between there. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks. And it maybe sounds like a weird series name. Maybe it is a weird series name. I'm not too worried about any of that. Um, but what I do know is we need it. We do, right? Um, see, the idea is that we have these beliefs, right? Yes, thank you. Um, we have these beliefs. I'm just going to keep asking. One of us is going to look dumb this morning. We have these beliefs, um, things things that we believe in, things that we say are the reason we're here, right? Like God is good and he's loving and he saved us. And because of his salvation, now we're free from sin and death and hell and the grave and all those things. Um, and then we have this life over here. And for most of us, or from what I've experienced kind of my whole Christian life, is that those two things don't really connect other than Sunday. That belief is the thing that we do on Sunday and maybe Sunday night and if we're really crazy, Wednesday night. And then we have life, which is the thing that happens all the other time when we're not in this building. And those two things don't intersect a whole lot. They don't, they don't plug in a whole lot. But the reality of it is that that's not what Jesus has called us to. What he's called us to do is to take our beliefs and then to plug our life into beliefs. So our life kind of flows out of the power of our belief and this idea for the series come out of a few weeks ago we read a, a verse in Ephesians 4 and the verse was um, to, to, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we have received that we should walk right in steps um, but it's really talking about life uh, that we should live in, in a manner worthy of, of the calling we've received or these beliefs that we say we have it's kind of something that for most of us we would kind of throw out there and be like, oh, that's cool. Thank you, Paul, for saying that. That's like one shot. But the reality of it is he doesn't just say it that one time. He says it at least two more times in Philippians. He says it, and then in Colossians he says it, and there's some other places where he kind of hints at the same idea. But the reality of it is we were never meant to separate our belief from our life. It's something that church culture has taught us or growing up in the church has taught us or being around Christians has taught us. It's not reality. Uh, we're meant to walk in a way or live in a way, manner, worthy of the calling we've received so what does that mean we hear worthy a lot of times we think well, that means we have to live in a way that we kind of pay God back for the grace that he's already given us we have to live in a manner where we're just paying God back for this grace and I would tell you that's not at all what the meaning of worthy in that context is 
Some of us hear that and we're like, we've got to live in a way where we, we kind of pay God back for the grace and the forgiveness we've already received. And that's not true at all. This man are worthy. What it's talking about is this idea of scales. Like not the scale you get on in the bathroom to see if you've gained or lost weight. But um, if you've ever been to the courthouse, there's that lady in the robe and she's got the, the, the thing across her face. She's holding scales, right? A little stick and then it's got the cups on the end. And the idea of those scales is not that you find out how much something weighs, but that you balance the two weights out. You'd put a predetermined weight on one side, five pounds, ten pounds, whatever, and then you would put something on the other side and you'd try to make them equal or balance the same. And what it's saying in that is that we should be able to, to live in a manner that, that makes sense, that equals out to, that balances out to this calling we've received or the beliefs we say that we have. Our lives would match our beliefs or our lives would actually be plugged into our belief. And you look around and you're like, well, I don't, I mean, maybe, right? Maybe some of us kind of, sort of live in a manner worthy that makes sense to the calling we've received. But I don't know that that's true, do you? Because I see a lot of stuff in this book and, and it's, a, it's a lot more than just morality, I think for some of us, what we think that means is, well, don't cuss too much, right? Which is, uh, it's a good skill to, to not do. Or, you know, don't, don't go sleep around or whatever. Like, we can, we can hit those. Those are the highlights, right? And as long as we don't do those two things, then we're good. And that's not actually true. And that's what we got to get to if we want to see a church that's effective in a world change, Right? See, the reality of it is, and, and Jesus is not shy about this, the church is not supposed to look like the world. Amen. We're not supposed to blend in, right? See, the, the reality of it is we're supposed to stand out. He calls us a city on a hill. Well, you can see a city on a hill. That's the best thing about it, right? Or, or a light. We're, we're this light or we're salt. The, all, the, all the analogies actually are that you're different from everything else. So you have a different flavor. You have a different taste. You have a different look. You have a different smell. That you're completely different from the world around you. And the truth of it is at work, I don't know that we're completely different from the guy that sits next to us. What's the separating factor? Well, Jesus should be. At the store, I don't know that you can look and be like, man, that is, right? That is totally got to be a Christian unless we got our Jesus shirt on. I'm not talking about our actions on our bumper stickers. And, and, and we've been talking about that the past few weeks, that are this radical, crazy idea that what we believe should match up with the way we live. And we're going to talk about that again this morning in James. I love the book of James. I think I love the story of the book of James more, actually, than the book of James. The book of James is great. I'm not knocking it. There's some amazing things in there. I love the content, but also love the, the context See, the reality of it is James is not James like the apostle or the disciple of Jesus. James that writes this letter is James the half-brother of Jesus. Isn't that cool? We get a, a perspective here from a guy who witnessed Jesus grow up, right? All the other guys jumped in about 30 years old and, hey, come out of your boat and let's go walk around the planet. But James was there from like the day he was born all the way up until this book is written. He saw Jesus live, but the crazy thing about that is James was not a believer until after the death of Jesus. The whole time Jesus was walking around on this planet, his brother was watching him do these miracles and watching how he teaches and watching how he lives. And James didn't believe that his brother was, was the son of God. 
you can look at that and you'd be like, man, that's a shame. I don't, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how you would just not believe because like who else on the planet can look into a tomb full of dead people and say, hey, come on out of there and they come out. Like that's obviously a hint right there that, that maybe there's something weird about this guy. Um, or who else can look at a person who's never walked before and be like, hey, get up. And they're like, that sounds like a great idea. And they just get up and they walk around for the first time. And you would look at that and you'd be like, James, I don't see how you didn't get that. But if your brother right, walked up to you and they were like, hey, I think I'm the son of God, you'd probably be like, well, I don't believe you, right? <laughs> I don't care how good you live, what you can do. Like, that's weird. I, I know your parents, actually, and I don't believe that, right? He was in the same boat as a lot of other people in the planet. But what's crazy is, like, 33 and a half years into Jesus' life, Jesus died. Crucified, like, put on a cross. They nailed his brother to a piece of wood, like a rough cut piece of wood, splinters in the back kind of wood. And they beat him beyond the point of recognition. They put nails in his hands and his feet, and they put a crown of thorns on his head, and he watched his brother bleed to death and die, suffocate actually on his own blood. That's hard, traumatic, I'm sure. Um, but then three days later, what he also saw was his brother get up out of the grave. See, it's, it's cool if you can talk into a grave and make other people get up. That's a cool thing, right? And I can't do that, so I'm not knocking that. And it's really cool if you can look at somebody that's never walked before and say, hey, get up and walk. That's pretty cool. But if I watch you die, like gruesome death, no, sh- like no, no doubt in my mind that you're a goner, and then I watch you come out of that, that has to change something. There's some questions that have to go on in, in my life and in my mind right there. And he sees his brother come up out of the grave, and upon meeting the resurrected Jesus, James' life has changed, and now James is no longer a non-believer, but he's a believer. Amen, like that's really cool. The resurrected Jesus is the only thing that's going to do that for you, by the way. There are hundreds of thousands of people that died on a cross. Only one ever come back off. The resurrected Jesus is the difference maker. And when he met the resurrected Jesus, it changed his life, and he became a follower of Jesus, which is pretty cool. But then Jesus didn't stop there. You could be like, oh, he was late to the game, 33 and a half years. He had chance after chance after chance after chance. Like, he should have known. He definitely should have known. But then he finally knows, like, I can't use him for anything because he didn't do anything for 33 and a half years. That would be our mentality, right? But then he becomes a believer, and not only does he become a believer, but eventually becomes the leader at the church at Jerusalem, right? Like the epicenter of the church. That's the first one. He becomes the leader of the church at Jerusalem. And then he writes this letter to us that we're reading this morning. And what I want to say about that is, like, you may be late to the game this morning. Like, you could, you could have been around church for 33 and a half years or, or 90 years, and if today is the day, God can still use you. There's nobody that's like too far gone, nobody counted out. There's nobody that like God's like, oh, you've done too much or you've been too bad or you, you didn't believe in me too long. Like everybody has a shot and James is a picture of that and I love that. And then James becomes a believer, becomes the leader at the church of Jerusalem and then he writes this letter, which by the way is probably the first letter ever written in the New Testament. He gets to be the first guy to write the letter. And how we know that is he, he writes to these 12 tribes of the dispersion. There weren't even really that many Gentile or, or non-Jewish believers in Jesus at this point in time. The church hasn't really started spreading out. And he writes this letter to these Jewish people who, who used to be Jews, but now they've seen the resurrected Savior. They believe in the resurrected Savior. And, and there should be a response to that, right? Because I used to be Jewish, I used to be religious, I used to know all the stuff and follow the law, but now I know Jesus and there's a difference here. And he's writing this letter to show these people, man, you, you have a new belief and there should be a new life that comes with that new belief. Man, if we could grab that this morning, we wouldn't have to talk about anything else, would we? 
you have a new belief. Some of you guys, it's new like 25 years ago, 70 years ago. Some of you guys, it's new like a couple weeks ago. You have a new belief, and here's the truth of it today. There should be a new life to come along with the new belief. See, none of us were born Christians. If you say, I was just, I've always been a Christian, come talk to me later because we got to talk because I'm worried for you because you can't always be a Christian. That's not how that works. And if you've always been a Christian, you're lost, and we need to fix that. Amen. Okay, it's real, real talk. Uh, we, we, we give our life to Jesus at some point in time. For some of us, that's six. Some of us, that's 22, whatever. And then at that point in time, there should be something new. And this letter is written about that new life. And last week, we read in chapter one some pretty amazing things. Today, we're going to bump over to chapter two. We're going to start about verse 14. In verse 14, James asks a question, a question that most of us probably just blow through every time we read this, but a question that's a real question. He's writing this letter to us this morning through the vessel of the early church. And this morning, this question was meant for them, and then through association, it's meant for us. And the question is, right here in 14, What good is it, my brothers, to the church, to those that say, I know Jesus, not to the lost or to the world, but, but the people that would sit in here and say, I've given my life to Jesus. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? Now, faith is a strong belief. It's, it's, it's this idea that we believe something in such a way, even by definition, that it affects who we are. And he says, what good is it, my brother, if you have a strong belief or you have faith, but you don't have works? Works is this idea of evidence or, or, or the tangible evidence, the stuff we can see from our faith. It's not, I go to church, although that maybe is part of the deal. It's not I pray some prayers, although that maybe is part of the deal. It's not I, I listen to Caleb, although maybe for you that's part of the deal. Uh, it's this idea of faith and life. That I have beliefs, right? All of us have beliefs. So you, you, you may not have a belief in Jesus, but you have a belief about something. All, everybody has beliefs. But what he's saying is that to the church here, we have this new belief that Jesus is the Son of God who came down and saved men. And, and, and that because of that, we're free from sin, hell, death, and the grave. And we have this vessel, this way to God, and we can go be with him when we leave this life. That's, that's a belief, right? This is kind of the Christian belief in a nutshell. There's more, but that's the, that's the basics. Beside this belief, what he's saying is here's this other thing that's works, and basically what he's saying is a life. We have beliefs and we have life. And he's saying, what good is it, church? What good is it, Christians? What good is it, people that say you know Jesus if you have faith but you don't have the life to back up the faith? What good is it if your belief is unplugged from your life? And what a relevant question for us today. Right? Because here's what he's not saying. Oh, everybody that's here, you obviously come to church. It's great. Pat on the back. Woo-hoo. That's the that's the equation. Belief equals church attendance, right? No. Or, man, that's great. You have a belief. I'm so glad you listen to different music now. No. Oh, I'm so glad you have a belief. Now we can read the Bible together. That's not what he's saying. This idea that we talked about last week, that, that the, what we read should come out in our life, that, that what we believe should, should manifest itself somehow in how we live. So here's the question, right? 
What good is it, my brothers? What good is your stinking belief? No matter how strong you believe it, or no matter how much you really feel it on the inside, how good is that if it doesn't do anything on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday? If it's only about a Sunday thing, if it's only about like how, how, what kind of music you listen to, what good is that belief? If it's only about like, oh, now I try to read the Bible so I don't feel guilty, like what good is that belief? Oh, I try to study the Bible because I really want to know a lot of stuff. What good is that belief is what he's saying. If it never affects anything else, how you act, how you talk, how you live, if it never affects any of that stuff, how do you even know that you are in that belief? And then he says, he like doubles down on it because I just want to crush us this morning. He says, can his faith save him? Can that kind of faith save you? It's a real question. Right? Every time we read this, we just blow through it. It's like, oh, we're just learning stuff. We're just learning stuff this morning. Questions, we don't have to answer those. It's not a Bible study yet. Like, we just kind of blow through all that stuff. Oh, that's great. Thank you, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you, James. My favorite book, right? But it's a real question this morning. If your belief never affects your life, what good is this belief? And then he says, can that belief save you? In other words, is that what you're trusting in to get you from here to eternity? A belief that never changed you. Is that what you're trusting in? Because I'm just going to tell you, we live in the Bible Belt, right? Like everybody out there is Christian if you ask them. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes. Are you going to heaven? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I try to be a good person. Eh, false. Because I didn't have anything to do with it. Why are you going to heaven? I prayed that prayer that one time. Eh, false. Because that prayer didn't do you any good because you never came back and you never did anything. You never got involved and you never learned anything and you never lived a life that said, I'm trying to be more like Jesus, right? And he says, is that the kind of faith you're going you're gonna to trust in? Actually, let's just hit us because we're here this morning, right? I mean, I go to church. It's great. What happened yesterday? Was there a difference yesterday? No? Okay, well, then you're probably lost. Is there going to be a difference tomorrow? No, then you're probably lost. I don't care how many stinking prayers you said right? Is that the kind of faith you're going to trust in? Oh yes, Jesus is the greatest. He, I give my life to him except for every day, except for Sunday for about an hour and a half. And this is the question he's asking to a group of people. Why would he even ask this to the church? See, the reality of it is this letter James was written to who? The 12 tribes of the dispersions, all the Jewish Christians. They were really good at religion. Before Jesus, they were good at religion. They went to church before Jesus. Different church, they went, right? They tried to be good moral people before Jesus. They were Jewish people. They acted better than anybody else on the planet. They brought offerings and sacrifices and tithes. They did all the stuff, right? They knew all the songs. If there was Caleb on the donkey, they would have listened to that. But before Jesus, even in their religion, they were what? Lost. And then he comes into these people and he's like, you're really just going to like, oh, I believe in Jesus now. I'm just going to do the same stuff I used to do. Oh, I believe in Jesus now. Nothing changed except my destination when I leave here. Oh, I believe in Jesus and now I'm going to sing different songs. I'm still going to sing songs. I'm going to sing different songs. And he's like, that's the response to that. You were dead, and now you're alive, and that's the response. You were in darkness, and now you're in light, and that's the response. I woke up earlier today. And he looks at you, and he looks at them, and he says, really? 
That's what you're going to trust in. Man, what a relevant question for us today. And what a real question for us today. See, my hope is, and I prayed this over this question last night as I was, I was studying this. God, don't let us blow through this question today. See, I know that I stand up here every week and, and, and different people get different things and I get that. But here's something that we all have to get today. The faith that you have and the life that you live, do they equal out? And if they don't, is the problem your faith? Is the problem your belief? And that's the question that he's asking. Now, I knew that some of us would hear that and we'd be like, well, whatever, I'm saved. I said the prayer, just go on to the next thing. So I will. Um, so he gives us an example in verse 15. And he says in this example, right, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food. So here he's setting up the story. There's a little brother or sister that comes to us and, and, and they, their clothes are all torn up and they're nasty and they're messed up and, and they're hungry and you can like hear their stomach growling. That's, that's the story he's setting up for us. And he says in 16, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? Here, here's the story he's setting up. Somebody comes up to us and their clothes are tattered and torn and they're smelly and, and, and dirty and they walk up to you and their stomach's like growling louder than the conversation and then your response to that is, hey, brother, so glad you're here today. Um, oh, you're hungry. That's, oh, I hate that. Well, man, I hope somebody gives you some food. I believe somebody is going to give you some food. It doesn't matter how hard you believe that or how much you hope that, they're still hungry, right? Oh, man, I see your clothes are just torn up. They're just, man, that's, that's a mess. I, that's a shame. You're dirty. I, I'm going to back up because you smell funny. Man, I really hope somebody gives you a bath and, and some new clothes. I, I believe, actually, somebody's going to do that. Somebody's going to come through. Somebody's going to make a difference. Somebody's going to get you a new shirt. It's going to be great. It doesn't matter how much you believe that, does it? It doesn't matter how strongly you wish that, does it? They still got a dirty, smelly shirt with holes in it, don't they? So what good did you do? I really believe, man, just down inside I can feel it. Like, oh, raise my hand to that. Amen. Somebody's going to get you a shirt. Well, my shirt's still tore up. You didn't do me any good. Man, I really believe, man, whew, I'm just feeling it this morning. Somebody's going to get you a cheeseburger. I can still hear your stomach, though. And he's saying, that's what we do with our faith. Right? Oh, man, I really believe Jesus is love. I'm not going to be love, but I really believe he is love. I really believe, man, there is joy and salvation, but I'm negative and miserable and horrible to be around. I really believe God is forgiveness, but I'm not forgiving anybody. That's his gig. I really, 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 really believe God is generous, but don't ask me to be generous because I'm just going to get negative and mean horrible. See, the reality of it is what we know about God should like affect the way we live. If God is forgiveness, then who are we to not be forgivers? If God is love, who are we to not be loving? 
And he says, it doesn't matter how much you believe about God. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you study. It doesn't matter how many songs you sing or how much you come to church. Like, it's not about any of those things. It's not about how many times you've prayed that prayer or how many times you've prayed a prayer. When are you going to be different? How many, how many church gatherings does it take, right? How many times do we have to hear the same message over the same things before we decided like God actually means for us to respond to these things? Because here's the truth. Most of us know way more about the Bible than we ever sees in our life, right? Most of us know way more about what Jesus is and who God is than we ever see lived out through us. See, the difference is we choose because it's hard to ignore. Can I just say today, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? If it's easy for you, you're not doing it. That's a reality, right? We read two weeks ago, there's a, there's a broad road and a big old gate, and there's a whole lot of people walk through that gate, and every one of those people are done. But then there's this little bitty road, and then he comes by and he says, how narrow actually is the gate and small the road that leads to life? See, if it's hard, right, if, it's, if you resist it, if it's difficult, you're probably doing the right thing. If you feel like you're failing over and over and over and over again, you're probably in a pretty good spot. If you don't care, you're on the broad road, brother. If it's not hard, you're on the broad road, brother. If there's no struggle to follow Jesus in your life, you're on the broad road. And I worry because the broad road is death, and I feel like there's a whole lot of people that sit in churches every Sunday on this big old road hearing messages about how God loves that say amen and listen to Caleb that at the end of their life, God's going to say, I don't know who you are. You're at the wrong gate. You've been at the wrong gate. And James here, out of love for these people, hey, you have a new belief. You should have a new life. Writes, is that the kind of faith you're trusting in? But I go to church. That's the faith you're trusting in. But I listen to the songs. That's the faith you're trusting in. I said a prayer that time. That's the faith you're trusting in. You can't see Jesus anywhere in your life but Sunday, and that's the faith you're trusting in to get you from eternity because here's reality. Here's newsflash, people. You're going to die. I am too. And it may be 60 years from now. It may be 60 seconds from now, but we're all going to die. And at that moment, at that moment, Jesus is the only thing that matters, right? So why doesn't he matter today? But I said that prayer. Yeah, but you didn't love him and you didn't care and you didn't follow him. You didn't struggle. You didn't fight. You didn't do anything after you said that prayer. And if he's the only thing that matters then, he should be the only thing that matters now. Is that the faith you're trusting in? He says, in the same way, just backing up what we just talked about, in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works or evidence, if it doesn't manifest itself in your life, is dead by itself. Faith that doesn't do anything is dead. Faith that doesn't have evidence is dead. Faith and works always go together. Works will never lead you to faith. Works will never lead you to faith. It's not going to happen. It's not a reality. 
Some of you guys, well, I come to church and I do the stuff and I walk old ladies across the street and I buy people's groceries. Well, that's great. That doesn't mean you're saved. Giving your life to Jesus is the faith, right? And then every time, that's the seed that grows the tree. They always go together. And he says here to the church, faith without works is dead by itself. 18, but some of you will say, because we're going to argue, you have faith and I have works. See, this is what some of us are doing internally right now. Well, that's just not me. It's just not my skill set. It's just not my personality type. It's just not, I mean, that's good. I, amen. That's, I love that you do that. I love that you, you try to live out the Christian life. But man, I have, I have great belief. I don't, I don't, believe, I don't believe that's true. This, this is going to be an argument, right? Because right now, some of us are like, my, I mean, I know that I don't follow Jesus, and I know that I don't, but I know that I said that prayer that time. And he's like, okay, let's talk about it. Some of you will say, I have faith, I have faith, I have strong belief, I believe it with everything in me, to the core of me I have belief, I know that Jesus is the Son of God, I have a lot of information about Jesus rolling around up here, and that's great. He says, some of you will say, I have works, I have works, I do all the works, I don't, I don't love the, the whole church scene, and I don't, I don't love the whole Jesus thing, like I believe, you know, it's there. But, like, I'm a good person. Like, there's some of you that will say, I'm a really good person. I'm, I'm a good person. And he's saying, some of you will be kind of in the middle where it's both. There's, there's an argument here. You ever heard somebody say, well, I mean, I don't do the religion thing, but I'm a good person. Lost. It's not a reality. They go together. And some people will say, I mean, I don't, I, I don't do stuff and I don't serve because all these excuses that I have, time, blah, 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 put whatever you want to on there. It's, it's, bon- it's baloney anyway. Um, but but they, they make up these excuses, but they say, oh, but I believe. I mean, I don't go and I don't respond and I don't live it out and I don't do anything, but I believe and it's wrong of you to judge me. (laughs) Right? Basically, don't look at me, deflection. I'm lost and I know it, but I don't want you to know it. It's like, we'll have an argument if you want. But the truth of it is, those two things are always together. You can't separate the two if somebody knows Jesus. And he says, show me your faith without your works. It's great. Show me your faith without your works. Show me that great belief without it messing up anything in your, in your day. I can talk about my great belief. No, show me. I can tell you the 42 points of why I believe it. Well, it's great. Show me. But I can quote you the Bible. That's great. Show me the Bible. See, it doesn't work, does it? This is not related to that. This is not related to that. See, in the church, we make it about what we know and what we say. Go to Lifeway, right? I love Lifeway. I'm not knocking Lifeway. There's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff that write books at Lifeway. And we read those books and nothing changes. It's the same as the Bible. See, faith is impossible to display without it working itself out in your life. And then he says, show me your faith without works. But then he says, I will show you my faith. There's the core, right? I will show you my belief from my works. You want to see what I believe? Watch how I live. Obviously, he's not against talking about it, right? He wrote a letter about it. Obviously, he knows a lot of stuff about Jesus. He was raised with him. But he didn't bank on any of those things. He said, watch how I live. Not watch how I talk, not watch what I say, not 
any of that stuff. Watch how I live and you'll see my faith. It works itself out in my life. And he says in 19, because he just loves to double down on this topic if we didn't have enough already. You believe that God is one. Now this is a section that we would miss from the Shema prayer that Jewish people, oh look who he's writing to, right? Religious Jewish people would say every morning when they rolled out of the bed and it'd be, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. First thing they'd say out of their lips. If you're a really religious Jewish person, every morning when you got up, you'd roll off the bed into the floor and then you'd say that prayer and proceed it with probably more prayer. And, and he's saying, okay, that's great that you're religious and you believe that God is one. Um, that's a good thing. But then he goes on and he says, the demons also believe. Oh, you believe in God. So do the demons. Right? All of hell believes in God, actually. Yeah. All of hell believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All of hell believes that he's the Savior of men. Uh, all the demons believe that. Satan himself actually believes Jesus is the Son of God and that God saves people. Isn't that crazy? Oh, but I believe. Yeah, so does Satan. Where's he going? <laughs> is that the kind of faith, right? <laughs> That's what you're trusting in. It's good. See how it works out for you. But he says the demons also believe, and then listen to this, and they shudder. They even have a response. <laughs> it's not a positive one, but it's a response. So if there's no response, what he's saying is, do you really believe? Even the demons believe and there is a response from their belief if you believe and you don't respond do you really believe see i think here's the breakdown for us i'll just hit it this morning a lot of us know about god a lot of us know about salvation a lot of us know the process and we know how it happens and we we know all those things and we know the church culture and we know what we think and we know what we should think and some of us even know big theological words but some of us never have known jesus See, the reality of it is James knew about Jesus his whole life, right? From the moment he took his first breath till the moment Jesus took his last, he knew about Jesus. He knew what he liked to do. He, he knew more about his personality than we'll ever know. He knew Jesus' favorite color. I'm sure he had one. He, he knew Jesus' hobbies. He knew all that stuff. He, he knew what it sounded like to hear the voice of Jesus. He knew a lot about Jesus, but he never really knew Jesus, See, the difference of it is, some of us have settled for, I know about Jesus, right? Amen. Let's just get there. Amen. A lot of us have settled for, I know about Jesus, but there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. See, in reality, I, I, I can read every book there ever has been about cars. I can. I can get on Google right now and I can look up how to do this stuff to the engine and this stuff to the pedals and I, I can look up all that stuff but until I've done it, like I don't really, I've never really experienced it. I've never really done it. I don't really know it. I can read every book there is to know about China. I can get on YouTube and watch videos about China but that doesn't mean I've ever been there, does it? See, it's not about here. It's about an experience. And see, the reason the, the demons believe and they shudder is because at least they've experienced God. There's a response. Any, anytime you believe you've experienced something, you've seen it, you've really seen it, there, there's, a, there's a response to that. 
And the reason maybe for some of us there's never been any kind of response to that prayer is maybe we just got excited or emotional or we prayed something and we may, maybe even cried like that's the thing, right? Oh, did they cry? I got saved. Oh, did you cry? That means it's real if you cried. No, it doesn't. It means it's real if there's anything that happens the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And oh, by the way, six years from now, it's still happening. And oh, by the way, 20 years from now, it's still happening. See, the reality of it is we trust in some prayer that we said, and what we're trusting in is us. Oh, I prayed a prayer. Oh, did you? It's beautiful. Jesus died on the cross. Which one do you want? And if there's never been a response, is that really the faith that you want to trust in? And then he says this, and here's where he wraps it up. Foolish man. That's us. Are you willing to learn? Do you want to learn? That faith without works is useless. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to hear? Are you willing to accept? Are you willing to open your heart to that possibility that if you've never actually seen any result from your faith, and maybe your faith is not really faith, maybe you know about Jesus, but you never actually met him. Ow. Maybe you've settled for reading the Bible instead of experiencing Him. Maybe you've settled for knowing about salvation over being saved. Here's the reality this morning following God is hard. What does the word say about it? Take up your cross and follow me. Anybody think you just want to do that today? Just drag one out here? You just nail you on that thing? Does that sound fun and exciting and like a party? No, it doesn't. It sounds hard, doesn't it? And painful, doesn't it? That's an illustration of what it's like to follow God. Anyone that wants to come after me must deny himself. It's not easy. What am I denying myself? Anything that he isn't? Here's my fear, right? There's a country full of people that are sitting in a building this morning. And a lot of them are wearing Jesus t-shirts. Bumper stickers on the car. K-Love on the radio. And if they died today and they walked up to the gate, what they would have to say is, Hey, I'm supposed to come in here because I went to church. I'm supposed to come in here because I prayed a prayer. I'm supposed to come in here because I listened to Caleb. You like that, right? I'm supposed to come in here because I tried not to cuss too much. I'm supposed to come in here because I was moral. He's going to look at those people and he's going to say, Who are you? The reality of it is I didn't matter then. So I don't now. And this morning, my hope is that we would deal with that question that we would that we'd set in that moment with James of what good is it, my brothers, 
if you have faith, but you're the only one that knows. What good is it, my brothers, if you have faith, but it doesn't affect anything over here? What good is it, my brothers, if you said some prayer sometime and nothing changed after said prayer? See, the reality of it is from James, the moment you see the resurrected Jesus, everything changes. He was dead, now he lives. I was dead, now I live, right? I was in darkness and now I'm in light. I had no heartbeat, now I have a heartbeat. I was lost and headed for hell, and now I'm not anymore. In that moment, everything changes. In that moment, gratitude and joy and love and forgiveness, all those things spring forth from our life. Not, oh, I went to church. So this morning, I just want us to ask ourselves, is that the faith you're trusting in, the faith that you live in right now, last week, is that the faith you trust in? Is that going to get you from here to there? And if it's not, you need to make a change today. For some of you, that change is you need to get saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. You're lost, and I can see it, and I know it. And you need to give your life to Jesus. But here's the greater truth. You're lost, and you know it. And you need to give your life to Jesus. Don't lie to yourself. Foolish man, are you willing to learn faith without works is useless. For some of you this morning, what it is is I need to get back up and get going again. I followed Jesus. It was hard, and I gave up. I stumbled, and I fell, and, and people hurt me, and whatever, and, and, and I've quit, and I need to get back up. And this morning, no matter what your response is, we have to deal with that. Let's pray.